and see clearly. But also with 2020, in 10 years it'll be 2020. We're entering a new decade as a church. You're entering a new decade of life. It's been 10 years since the year 2000, since the change of the millennium. And now we sit at 2010, and in 10 years we'll sit at 2020. And so we need to begin to think about what is God calling us to be and do for the next 10 years. So I want to talk about this idea of 2020 vision and, and think about that in the light of discipleship, in uh, the light of our calling, our purpose, our vision, all of those things, and we will do that over the next several weeks. But it begins with discipleship, and I want to talk to you about that. I want to begin with this idea of surrender, because as we were thinking about this as a staff, even into last year and praying as pastors, we, we had to come to the point that we could sit down and put down a lot of great things to do in the next 10 years, but that's not what we need to do. We need to surrender and submit to God and His will, to hear His voice. Not to have a, a grandiose plan that we can share with everybody. God, where are you leading us? Where are you taking us? Where are the divine opportunities and moments? And that's not just for us as a church, because I, I want us over the next several weeks not just to talk about where we're going as a church. We're going to talk specifically where you're to go in your life, your personal life. Before you get that 2020 vision for your life, you're going to have to surrender to God. It's funny to think of surrender, that word is a positive word, to think that when I surrender, when I give up, then I have victory, you know? Then God can lead and God can show up. When I surrender everything, I get everything from God. It's hard to understand, it's hard to fathom sometimes, but I want us to look at that word surrender tonight. I teach at Christian Life College and I love to teach, and one of my favorite things to do as a teacher, I know it's bad, but I love to do it is give pop quizzes. I love doing that, just standing up in front. Okay, pop quiz, take out a piece of paper. And, a and the shock that goes over the classroom at that moment. And so there, there's a kind of a greedy pleasure in that and uh, the power and all of that. But the reason I do it, and this is the honest reason as a teacher why I do it, is I want to see where they're at. Because if I tell them there's a test or a quiz, they can study for that, get it inside their mind, throw it up on a piece of paper and Forget it. I want to know what they're remembering about what I'm teaching in class. I want to know where they're at in the study. And so that's why we give pop quizzes. Did you know that God gives pop quizzes? He does. Sometimes on a daily basis, but a lot of times he'll give us one of those big pop quizzes, and he does it in the Old Testament to Abraham. You probably already know the story I'm going towards, but let's talk about Abraham because we need to get back into his time period to understand the story, but he's the, probably the most important person at the beginning of the Old Testament. He's the father of not just the Hebrew faith and the Hebrew people, but of our faith as well. And he is a tremendous man of faith. It says in Genesis 15:6, Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abraham lived 2,000 years before Christ. So the same distance we live after Christ he lived before Christ. And his name, Abram, meant exalted father, but God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And God helped develop Abraham's faith along the way, and he had to be a man of faith because he was very old, and he gets this promise, this covenant from God. And so God tests him and, and pushes him and all these different things that God has to do in his life. But he is a tremendous man of faith. He's the example of faith. And over 100 times in the Bible, 
God is described, Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai is described as the God of Abraham. 100 times. That makes it a significant name of God. And so he's like, if I can do this in Abraham, I can do it in you. I am the God of Abraham, of this covenant relationship, of this powerful faith. And what did he do in Abraham's life? It begins in Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So we have this blessing, this covenant that God has with Abraham. And, and so he has this faith. He, he listens to God. Leave your home. Okay, I left my home. He has troubles along the way with Lot, but he stays faithful to God. And he believes that God will provide no matter what. And then the big promise, you will have a son. And it took 25 years to see that promise come, but he had faith all the way. Did he have trouble along the way? Yes, he did. He had some issues along the way. He didn't always make the best choices. He didn't always act in the best way. He made some wrong decisions. But he kept his faith and, and he followed God. And, and there's something that we need to realize in life that when we follow God and we have faith in God, there's no guarantees it's going to be easy. It's going to be the toughest thing in your life. I, I think of the reeds and they could probably tell stories after church of, of, you know, hey, I'm following God. I'm giving up everything to follow you, God. Has it been easy for them? No, it, it hasn't. It's probably been the most difficult thing they've ever had to do. So there's no guarantees that it's going to be easy, but we have to keep that faith in the everyday challenges and the big challenges. And so here comes the big challenge in Abraham's life. The big pop quiz. God is going to give him the ultimate one. It comes suddenly, unexpectedly. It doesn't make any sense. And here God shows up. How is Abraham going to handle the pop quiz? How is he going to get through it? What can we learn as we study this? We've got to go back you know, 4,000 years now and get into this character, but we have to realize that there is something that he's going to have to kind of fight his way through and be tested through, but he's going to come out on the other side stronger than ever in God. But we'll begin in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, God's big pop quiz. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Take your son, the son you love. The son who's no longer a baby. He's 20 years old. He loves the son. It's his only son. He says, I want you to sacrifice him to me as a burnt offering. Now, there's many offerings, many sacrifices in the Old Testament, but a burnt offering is a voluntary offering to the Lord. It's a surrendering offering, an offering of commitment to God. He says, I want you to offer your son to me that way. And what is he doing here? We we could say this is the weirdest pop quiz I've ever heard. I mean, I... How could a God ask him to do this? And the reason he's asking him is because he wants to see if Abraham loves him more. Do you love me more, Abraham, than anything in this world? Do you love me more than your son? Do you love me more than the promise I made to you? 
He's also asking here, do you love me more than the pagans? Because in pagan worship back then, they would offer their children to a false god, a god that's not even there. And they would willingly give their children in sacrifice to a false god. Abraham, do you love me more? Do you love me more than the pagans? Do you love me more than the promise? Do you love me more than your son? Do you love me more? Verse 3 says, The next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped the wood for the fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him. On the third day of the journey, God, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. First of all, it says he got up early. A couple things about that. In the Jewish Talmud, it, that's a commentary in the Old Testament Scripture, Jewish commentary, in the Old Testament Scriptures, if somebody was a pious or spiritual person and God told them to do something, they would do it almost immediately. That was a sign of true spirituality, was to immediately obey God. And so here, Abraham immediately obeys God. But I wonder if that's the only reason, because I was thinking about it. He probably goes early in the morning because he doesn't want to have to tell Sarah what he's doing. You don't want to have to tell mom you're taking the boy the sacrifice, and 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 because you think about it, even if Sarah asked why and needed some answer, I mean, what's he going to say? And there, he doesn't know. There's no way to know, and and so he just obeys God, and he and he goes early. He's there for three days. It says in verse. They've been walking for three days. He has been. Th- he's the only one that knows. And this contradiction in his heart, why would God promise this, make it happen, and now ask me to give it up? And he's walking with this contradiction for three days, this this quiz that God has given him. And and I I thought about that, I thought about our faith, that that's the essence of faith. When God asks us to do something we just can't do. We're not smart enough, we're not gifted enough, we don't have enough money, enough resources, We we can't do this. If you had the smarts, if you had the resources, if you had the gifts, it wouldn't be faith. You could just do it. But God's going to ask all of us at some point to do something for Him that we just can't do. That we are scared to death to do. That we are out of our, that we're going to be walking for three days just us and God. Like, God, how is this going to happen? That's what faith is. The next verse is here, beginning at uh, verse 5. It says, Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the service. The boy and I will travel a little bit or a little farther, and we will worship there, and then we'll come right back. That's what he says here. Stay here. We're going to go worship, and we are coming back. Personal pronoun, we are coming back. The best commentary of the Bible is the Bible. So how, why, what did he mean here? And so you have to go to Hebrews chapter 11 because when you're trying to interpret Scripture, this is just a rule for you when you're doing your personal Bible study. I mean, you can have a commentary with you. Uh, the Believer's Bible Commentary is an excellent one to use while you're studying, and, and it's inexpensive, but that's a good one. Life Application Bible, NIV Study Bible, those are good. But the ultimate commentary towards Scripture is Scripture. And so what does it say in Hebrews Chapter 11, verse 19, it says, Abraham reasoned that, his, that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. God, I don't understand this, but this is a promise. He believes God's promise. 
He says, this is going to happen. The promise is true. And so even if this happens, God is going to bring him back from the dead. I love that. Continuing on in verse 6. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Sometimes when we're asked questions that we can't understand, we just have to go to God and say, God will provide. There's going to be a lot of times in our life where we don't know what to do, we don't know what to say, we should have 20-20 vision, but we don't. And that's when we turn to God. That should be our automatic response. When I don't know what to do, I don't know what to say, I don't have an answer for this, turn to God. Go to Him. It continues on in, in verse 9, when they arrived at the place where God had told them, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Can you imagine this moment? Father placing his son on the altar, taking the knife in his hands. The son, I think he loves the son, 20 years old. But what's interesting about this picture is that it's not just Abraham making the sacrifice, it's also Isaac. I mean, think about it. He's 20 years old. Dad's 120 years old, okay? But it's a beautiful picture from the Old Testament of actually God the Father and Jesus the Son and the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to make for you and for me. And this picture right here, when you get to this point as a parent, I don't even understand it. It, it, I can't comprehend it. But I just see a father and a son completely surrendering to God. I just completely surrendering. Okay, God. I don't know what's going on here, but you do. So here's the complete surrender. It says in the next uh, verse here, I, I love it. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called... From heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, Abraham, here I Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. There's a phrase here in Scripture that you see again and again in the English language, and that is, now I know. Now I know. And what's interesting about this phrase is it's usually a phrase in the Old Testament of a human being in responding to God. It's very popular in the Psalms of David. Now I know. God delivered me. So now I know you are God and you are my deliverer. But in this case, God is saying, now I know. Now I know. And, and I think about the joyful response of David to God. Now I know, but God's joyful response to Abraham, now I know. Now I know that you trust me. And, and to think that we can actually please God with our faith. Give God joy with our faith. That, that when Jesus saw somebody of great faith, oh, what, what great faith. That we can somehow surprise in a, in a joyful way God. 
God is looking for complete surrender. That's what the story tells us. He's looking for complete surrender. And while I will guarantee you God is not asking you to sacrifice your child to Him, I can assure you that God is asking for you to sacrifice yourself to God. That you will come into complete surrender to the Lord. And we cannot get 2020 vision and we cannot walk into the future with our lives until we come to that point where we completely surrender, not only as a church, but as individuals and say, God, lead us in the direction you would have us to go. And so here's the thing, and this is interesting because you know, Pastor John up here, when he was leading, I, we had not talked, I mean, we talked kind of about the service, but not about what the message was and just what he was led of the Lord to do tonight in prayer time is exactly what I feel God is calling us to do right now, and that is to really kind of look inside and see if there's something we need to sacrifice to the Lord. To take this time tonight to, to kind of go inside and, and humble ourselves before we walk into the future and see is there something I need to, to give to the Lord or change? Is there something I need to give up or concede or yield to God? What do I need to surrender to the Lord? What is standing in between me and, and, and that relationship with God that I crave and desire, that full-out relationship, that, that total connection to God? What do I need to give up? Do I need to give up a, a sinful habit that has trapped me and, and trapped me and trapped me and, and, or maybe it's that attitude that I've had? I, need to just, I just need to drop that. I can't make excuses anymore why I have it. I, I've got to lose that attitude. I, I've, I've got to maybe take care of a relationship that's not right. I've got, to, I've got to give these things up to God because if I don't, they are anchors that will pull me down. And we have to check these things and say, God, what do you need to do in my life? Maybe it has to do with your finances or your jobs? Is there something standing in between you and the Lord? Maybe it's an emotion. Maybe it's anger. A trigger emotion that you go to again and again and again or fear or anxiety or, or something that you keep going back to again and again. What do you need to surrender to the Lord? And we could all think of things if we just really spent time and allowed the Holy Spirit, which we will do at the end of the service. I know I'm talking fast, but... I really want us to take time and think about this because the Holy Spirit will deal with you on the things that you need to take care of in your life. Why is it so hard to surrender to God? Why is it so hard to let Him come in and do His work in your life? Why is it so hard to give up that sinful habit that we know is destroying us? That we know is destroying not only our relationship with God, but with the relationship with the people. Why is it so hard? couple things. One is we don't like to give up control. Somehow, some way that's giving us some sense of control. I can still just, as long as I worry about it, it's still mine, you know, or the anxiety or the fear. But it's not just about control. Here's the real issue. is that we don't believe that God can do what we want Him to do. We don't believe that He will give us freedom for our bondage. We don't believe that He will provide what we need if we sacrifice. We don't, we don't, no, we don't believe God that He is in control. That He is who He says He is. 
So what we do is we kind of follow God. We give Him our lives. We come to church. We kind of follow Him. But then we carry around all these other things because we might need them. And we can control them. But the reality is, is we need to give them to the Lord. There was a survey that was done. I wasn't going to share it with the church, but I shared it with the the staff, with the pastors. And, And it's a survey that really broke my heart. It's a survey about the American church. And the greatest challenges of our church today, and as they as they looked at the data and they brought it in, here's the greatest challenges of the American church. Apathy. We just don't care. Distractions. We're so distracted by other things. The lukewarmness. No sense of urgency. When you hear Jesus preaching, He's like, don't even go home and say goodbye to your family. Get out there. Get where there's no sense of urgency in the church. The last one is this tolerance for sin. And we've got to surrender to the Lord. Think of the movie Fireproof. And we showed it here. It was in the theaters, so most I think a lot of people saw it. But one scene, just wow, kind of scene. The, the young man in the movie who's struggling with his wife, he, he has a problem with pornography, and he, he finds himself at the computer and there and she catches him and confronts him but he's constantly drawn back to that computer screen so at one point in the movie as he is taking steps to make it right with his wife he he, he's so angry he takes that computer outside and he beats it with the baseball bat you remember that i love that he beats with baseball bat and then he puts some roses on the table in a card and so she drives in and she sees the computer all beat up she goes into where the computer was in the family room and she takes the note and she opens it and the note says, I love you more. And, and I, I think about that scene and I think about our relationship with God and, and, it, and it's not just the sinful things we talked about, but the attitudes and the emotions and everything and just saying, God, I love you more. I love you more than the things I'm holding on to, the things that will weigh me down in this life, the things that keep me from a, a, a good relationship with you, a, a connection to you, God. I love you more. And when we come to that point of complete sacrifice to God, God will show up in our lives. Verse 13, Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its thorns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yirah, or it would be Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord, it was provided. God will provide. When you surrender to Him completely, He will provide the way out. He will provide what you need. He will provide for you whatever the situation and circumstance is. You have to believe it. You have to trust. And sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes there's that that pause between that first step of faith and the promise. In Abraham's case, the first big promise, the promise of a son, was a 25-year pause there by God. And then the supplying of the sacrifice, that was a three-day walk and a journey that probably tore him up inside. But he stepped out in faith. And sometimes we need to step out in faith and just have to believe God's going to provide as we go. God's going to help. God's going to make a way. And we need to have that faith because God's plan is always better than our plan. And what He can provide is always better than what we have. 
And we just need to believe that. I, I want to look at a verse of Scripture that, that after, you know, I just kind of came across this at the end, and I just, this is it. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Don't you love that? I love that part of Romans where you're just, you know, just talking about who we are in Christ and He works everything together for good. So if Christ be for us, who can be against us? But look at this next verse. Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? He took care of the biggie, guys. If God gave us His only Son, isn't He going to give us everything else we need? We can trust Him. We can surrender to Him. More than just saying a prayer and saying, I'm a follower of You, but saying, God, I, I believe You completely. I trust You completely. I will obey You in anything You tell me to do. I'm surrendering wholeheartedly to You, God. Because You'll provide everything that I need. We've got to get that in our heart. And, and, and I just think about Abraham's sacrifice. and Abraham didn't have to sacrifice his son because God was someday going to sacrifice his son, Jesus. And I love that picture in the Old Testament that while we think we're doing the hard thing, God's really the one that's taking care of everything. All we have to do is kind of sign in the dotted line and submit and surrender our life to Him you bow your heads and your hearts with me tonight? I just want to allow the Spirit to speak to us for just a moment. And, and to do that, I'm asking Pastor Jonathan to come back up and just lead us in a song tonight. I know that we were in a bit of a hurry tonight because of time, but it was just so good to hear from the reeds and, and spend that time in worship. And, and I don't regret any of those moments. And, And I know that we will not regret taking just a few moments to sing this song and to say, God, search me. What do I need to sacrifice? What do I need to give up? What do I need to lay down? What do I need to change? What do I need to yield? God's looking for people that have a wholehearted commitment to Him. You can trust the Lord. He will answer. You may feel like you're on that three-day journey and your gut is just turning inside, or you may be in that middle of that 25-year wait for the promise of God. But I want to tell you, He's the God of Abraham. And Abraham believed and was counted to him as righteousness. We can believe in the God of Abraham that always keeps His promise, that even when things die, they come back to life. Because God will not let His promise die. So Lord, tonight we surrender to You. And Lord, I just pray for the next couple minutes that we're together. And God, this isn't about a, a kind of a big crowd thing. This is just individually between, between You and each of us. May the Holy Spirit just begin to touch those places in our life that need to be surrendered to You. And God, when those places are touched, we will not hold on to control. We will not believe that they're too big for you to break or take care of. That it's not so outrageous that you won't provide. God, we will just wait on you. And we will believe. And so Holy Spirit, touch our lives now.
so that we can surrender to you.